Hello, Chris Evans here with this week's star-studded edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virtual Radio. And what a week it was. The one and only Noel Gallagher wowed us with memories of the soon-to-be-released documentary Oasis Nebworth 1996 in your cinemas and the album of the same name. It's a fantastic film. It was a great conversation. The always hilarious Russell Howard is back, back, back to discuss the latest series of the Russell Howard Hour on Sky Max. Coming back Thursdays, pop sensation turn wellness wonder Ellie Goulding flicks through the pages of her debut book, Fitter. Calm, stronger. And the Einstein of nutrition, Dr. Robert Lustig, talks about the evils of sugar with stats and facts from his latest book, Metabolical. All of that and so much more to come now. Dapper Dave, pray tell, who's going to be first? He writes era-defining songs like they're going out of fashion, and he's been doing it for quite some time. The documentary Oasis Nebworth 1996 is in cinemas later this month, and here to relive that seismic musical moment is the man that's now quite literally Nebworth is weight in gold. It's Noel Gallagher! All right, Noel! Hello. Welcome, welcome. Um, so many questions. What a movie. Uh, before we get into how it came about, let's just cut to the chase here. How did it make you feel? Uh, quite emotional and proud and uh nostalgic um three things that i don't really tend to feel uh looking back at those times of the 90s and that's kind of summed it all up really you probably remember the 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 whole weekend better than most people that that were there yeah i remember it being a very celebratory atmosphere i mean i don't remember the the finer nuances of it but yeah it was a great weekend it was our we didn't know it at the time but it was our it was our zenith as a band but um the weekend itself, I remember being very celebratory, and, and why wouldn't it be? And, uh, and, a, and, a, and a good way to spend a weekend. And so the first Oasis gig, was that a couple of years before the first ever gig that was recorded? So Nebworth is 96. The first ever Oasis gig was, yeah, 94. Because is, there's footage of, of that gig at the beginning of the film. Is there really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't watch the beginning. Yeah, and uh, no, but what's amazing for me was I thought, geez, that, I mean, that was an exponential, um, uh, you know, rocket fueled rise to the top, wasn't rise. it? Yeah, I was talking to somebody last night, and we we bypassed the theatre circuit. We went from those indie nightclubs straight to arenas, and then straight to outdoor gigs. So we never did the Brixtons and the Hammersmith Palais and the Apollos in Manchester, which were all fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we, we got very big very, very quickly uh, through word of mouth and, and um, old school way, you know what I mean? What was the first arena gig you did and how, how did you feel before that? <clears throat> first arena gig was Sheffield Arena and it was just before some might say was going to come out. And a couple of months before, we were playing a gig in York in a, like a tiny club and the our promoter, Simon Moran, after the sound check, said, I want you to come and look at this place just two miles up the road where we're gonna, we think we're going to put you on when someone might say comes out. And I remember walking into Sheffield Arena and bursting out laughing. <laughs> and I was thinking, I mean, are you mad? And he was saying, and I was saying, you're going to set, it's not even in our hometown. I said, are you mad? And he said, oh, we could do quite a few nights. And I was, then I was like, wow. And then after that first arena gig, uh, we felt the song seemed to fit arenas better. And then it just snowballed from there. And, yeah, within uh, 
within a year and a half we were doing like the biggest gigs that ever that were ever put on okay and obviously with that you know because because that is that that is you know um you are on public show uh like never before and but the kernel of what you do is you know in the bedroom writing the songs or in the studio and then th- there's a certain thing about the the comp the the sort of compartmentalization of that energy you know in a tight space like in sun studios or wherever where special things happen mm. and when you when you when you let that energy out it's like letting the air out of a balloon mm. and so what effect did that have you know on the two-way street that is performance and writing and creation well that that's that's you know you're kind of writing the songs in in your bedroom and then you do them in the rehearsal room and you've got your own little <clears throat> unit and you know your band there's five fans and you're all in it and then bit by bit you know when supersonic came out and people started singing the words we were like, oh no, people are into it. You know what I mean? People are actually into it. Yeah, yeah. And then, then with every release and every TV performance, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was a bona fide phenomenon. You know, nobody really knew, nobody really predicted it, and nobody knew where it was going to end. And uh, it was a joyous ride. You know, th- those were the glory days where every every six months was twice as mad as the previous yeah, six yeah, months, yeah, yeah. and was just going crazy. And then I, you know, the same as walking into Sheffield Arena, you know, they took me to Nebworth, uh, you know, and to look at this gig. Well, and there's I, a bit in the film where he says he turned up in his uh, brown yeah, r- r- shadow, given, wasn't it, or something? Yeah, I've been given a Rolls Royce by Creation for Christmas because I'd made them all billionaires. <laughs> and uh, I, like, we're on the way to Southampton to start a tour, and we stopped in Nebworth, and I and we kind of drove into this nothing, this nothingness. And I was saying, so where's the gig? And they're saying, well, this is it. And I was like, but yeah, but where? And they were saying, no, this is it. Everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, where's the stage going to be? And they said, well, the stage is going to be down there in a different county, you know? And um, I was, I, I mean, I trusted my promoters and management completely yeah, yeah. and still do to this day. And I was like, okay, if you think it's going to, if you think it's going to work, it's going to work. But um, they were, and then when you see the film, it's a, it's a brilliant snapshot of, you know, nobody with phones and, 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 tweeting and no let's and get into film. that let's yeah. get into that okay so um so so w- when was the idea muted of the nebworth gigs you know the, can you recall the first conversation you had uh, not with the word nebworth in it because obviously that was a, a later decision because it was like okay we're gonna have these massive gigs where we're gonna have them several options how did the mega gig conversation come about it was just these were going to be our big summer gigs. We never thought anything of it. We never thought anything. We never thought we'd be sitting here talking about it 25 years later. Um, you know, the, the band were in a kind of a li- were, were in a little bubble and we were just kind of doing our thing. Ha- we, happy bubble? How happy? On a scale of one to ten? Well, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, if we, when you see the film, there's no, there's no, uh, me and Liam are getting on great. And it's, uh, yeah, they were, they were, they were, the, they were the best days, which is why the Supersonic documentary focused on that period of it because the fallout hadn't started to happen then. But, um, I, you know, we we had a complete trust in the people around us, and if they said we were going to do this... We why, did, were, why did you pause then? What were you reflecting on then? Uh, well, because we, it, it didn't end great. You know, it was, just, it was a slow death. It was a death by a thousand arguments, you know. Yeah. But um, at that time, you know, you see it in the film, there's a great camaraderie between the band and its fans on stage. Um, and I'm glad that it didn't come out at the time. I'm glad it's coming out now, so yeah. I, all of us have got a little bit more perspective about it. It's great. I mean, that's that's very interesting that you say that, you know, all of us, and you pointed at yourself then, all of us have got a, a bit more um, perspective about it. Mm. Just speak to that a bit more, if you don't mind. What I found really fascinating is this, is if you look at the makeup of the crowd, 
they don't look physically that different than people today, right? The hairstyles are kind of the same and the clothes are kind of the same and it's the kind of makeup of a fe you know a festival crowd. So that's 25 years ago. But if you were to go 25 years back from 1996, it's another planet. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's all black and white and greased there and everybody dressed like their parents. And I think that youth culture has slowed down a lot now, whereas not, bar the internet, not a great deal has happened in youth culture in the last 25 years. Can I uh, read an email out yes. to you that um, I received from my friend Noel Fitzpatrick, the super vet, last night? Because I... Um I hope you don't mind this, but I, I um, forwarded him the, the encoded link to the movie. Because oh, Noel's a massive fan, yeah. uh, huge fan, loves his rock and roll. And um, I, I think he needed it, right. to be honest. And then, um, so, I come into work today and he says uh, to this email from Noel, he sent me this at quarter past one this morning. I think Oasis at Nebworth was the greatest musical event ever to happen in the UK. Couldn't get a ticket to go at the time. And I listened to a bootleg recorded on a cassette tape by someone I knew who went. I was mesmerised. Did you see any cassette tapes were played recorded in the audience uh, going I, on? I, not, I can't say. No, right. uh, well, it obviously was happening. Thank God. Uh, maybe someone will offer no. £150 million to get back on stage with his brother, who I think he really, really loves so much that the fine line was crossed in that rarefied creative ether of mad, messed-up genius. I think they're brothers who love each other on a level way deeper than whatever emotional pain happened when they said things they probably shouldn't have said. Life is short. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know what the point of that is, but... Uh, it, but it, yeah, people on the outside looking in, it's difficult for them to explain. I get that. Uh, it's difficult for me to explain sometimes. But in terms of the legacy of the band, since we split in 2009, 2009 the legacy of the band has got more solid and strong and bigger and wider reaching than it ever did. And, you know, some things are best left crystallised in that moment, I think. And... I think if there was to be uh, a gig, something extraordinary, some extraordinary set of circumstances would have had to have happened for us to be walking on stage again. Um, I'm, I'm at peace with it all. I love Oasis. It's the proudest achievement of my life. Um, but it's like once you've done it once, you've done it, you know. And I felt at the time it was a special thing. You know, and you can't, you can't, you can't keep going back there. And um, obviously, nobody knows what's going to happen in the future. But uh, as I sit here today, it doesn't. It, it, a reunion doesn't appeal to me. And as for Liam, he's doing his thing. He's he's like he's he's responsible for the legacy being what it is. You know, he's keeping the flame alive and all that. And good for him. And uh, you know, he's doing massive gigs. He's selling more records than I am. And selling more tickets than I am, if you can believe that. Uh, so he's doing his thing and I'm doing mine. And we're both pretty happy doing that at the moment. Things are all quiet on the Western Front, Twitter. Uh, so long may that continue. And good morning, if you're listening. I know you're listening. I know you're my biggest fan. Um, uh, but yeah, it's all good. Because we thought we were playing with it earlier on, right? Just And this is just, you can ignore all this. You know, if, if you were... If you did something at Nebworth again, right? Because you do have... Sophia, who, who reads the news, right? Mm. She's 27, right? Biggest Oasis fan in the world, 
right? Mm. Um, I think it might be a bit sad if, you know, it's like the Beach Boys, if we all go in our Hawaiian shirts and we're 75 on stage and off stage, that's not going to work. But we said, how about an age limit of 27? The, the iconic, <laughs> you know, rock and roll age for so many reasons. You, 27 or under to go to the gig and um, no mobile phones, nothing, and just... I don't know. Would well, that be magnificent? Well, I mean, yeah. Would that I mean, work? I was talking to someone about. I get asked about reunion a lot, and I'm, and I say to people, look, Oasis was not. We weren't from that the digital age. We were not. We were. We were the last great band of the analog era. Well, what about ba- what about doing Ed with again for three nights of one night? And but mobile phones not allowed. You, you get chucked out. Can't do it. Couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. I did. I did a gig a couple of years ago in Bethnal Green, in a uh, in York Hall. Where there was no phones allowed, they had to put them in a, you had to put them in a holster yeah. and that. Yeah. It was one of the best gigs I ever did, and people don't realise what a difference it makes. But the vastness of people that Oasis could attract would make it impossible. All right, and what next for you? Um, I am writing a new record at the moment. I'm so about halfway through, and uh, I spend the rest of the year writing, and then next year I shall record what I've written. And then hopefully, soon, uh, gig-wise, life will have turned back to normal and I'll do a few gigs. And And what's the best thing your career and your life has given you? The freedom to just, you know, just do whatever it is that you feel like doing. Um, I'd say, and, yeah, the freedom just to get up and go and do whatever you want. Yeah, and... uh, but I've never taken my talent for granted, so I always work at that every day. Uh, I've never taken that for granted. And, yeah, peace of mind and freedom. Oasis Nebworth 1996 is in your theatres two weeks today, and you've got to get to go and see it. Thanks, Noel. Thank you, mate. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's a globe-trotting stand-up telly genius and all-round good egg. Series 5 of the Russell Howard Hour started last night on Sky Max and did not disappoint. And now to tell us how it's all put together is the news hound with his comedic ear to the ground. It's Russell Howard! Morning, <laughs> Russell! Hello. What a lovely intro. Thanks well, very much. you're worth it because you're worth it, Russell. How are you? I, last time I saw you, we were. I was doing a show in, uh, in Marlowe. It was actually joyous. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. Look, we are so lucky. We're so grateful. Uh, we're living every day to the absolute max. We di- we've got this new thing. We're going all stoic, Russell, if you want the honest truth. Um, yes. We're dying with every day. Do you know what I mean by that? So, you give, so, so you know, we're not, death is not something we're moving towards. It's something with the day, you know, we die with each of our days and we get up the next day as if it's a whole brand new morning and dawning. And that's basically what it is anyhow. And that's See, how- that's what. That's what I love about you. You're like a lovely smiling Seneca. We had uh, Noel Gallagher on yesterday talking about this brand new oh. o- Oasis film, Oasis um, Nebworth 1996. Um, wow, wow. Uh, now, how old would you have been then, 1996? I would have been 16 years old. It was the summer of Blur versus Oasis. It, it was really extraordinary. was? Yeah, I was so wildly into that. I did a media studies project on the, on the battle between Blur and Oasis when I was a kid. Okay, so and we, which yeah. camp were you honestly in at the time? I was an oasis because I was afraid to be to be beaten up. If you said you liked Blur, you would have been beaten up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no. But I I love them both. I you know they're just just fantastic, and it's it's kind of you know you all their songs now just 
you know that beautiful thing that music can do where it just instantly transports you back to a place yeah they're real kind of memory transporters a really good song you know? they really well they're time machines aren't they the real life time mm. machines is what they are mm. and we talked to Noel about the analogue aspect of the whole event which is what you're talking about and the fact mm. that 125,000 people each night a quarter of a million people over the weekend were, mm. were in the moment which you sort of can't be anymore yeah well see that's the magical thing about live performance Dave Chappelle does this brilliantly where he basically locks people's phones up. And what's really cool about that, I've been to a few uh, gigs where phones are locked away and you actually are forced to talk and notice and be in the room. And the gigs are just incredible because you realise we're just addicted. All of us are. So it's so lovely when you're kind of, you can't touch it. You literally cannot get to the thing. You're kind of there, and it makes the experience even greater. And maybe it's a generational thing. Who knows? No, well, I think so, but I think it may it may be a phase that we're passing through. Um, let, let's yeah, wait, that's let's wait and see. And, mm. and you can only really ever judge um, or categorise a moment way after it's happened. I mean, that's the whole thing about COVID, isn't it? It's going to be years mm. and years and years before we really know what happened over the last eighteen months, two years. Yeah, totally. And to to try and put a kind of a small glimmer of positivity on it, I think what might have happened during this 18 months, there'll be so many kind of young bands and uh, kind of young directors and comedians and artists and creatives who've been kind of locked away for 18 months. And I would be amazed if there isn't this kind of stellar kind of bombardment of creative brilliance that hits the world in the next 18 months. So there could be this odd kind of glory to come from it because there'll be, do you know what I mean? The new Arctic monkeys will have been sat in their houses and kind of like chatting over Zoom and becoming brilliant at guitars. And I, I really kind of feel that, you know? Well, it's tectonic plates, isn't it? It's pushing up against each other for years and yeah. years under the surface and then suddenly you get an earthquake and maybe that's what we're, hopefully, we're heading towards from a creative point of view. I love these chats. I love these chats. And talking about, <laughs> about live audiences, you do kick off. I don't know whether it was on the telly or not on the telly because I've got this amazing studio um, version of your show, yes. which, by the way, they're, they're the ones I always want from now on, tell your people, when we have a chat okay. on the radio. I love right. the, I love Done. these. It remind, reminds me of working on the telly. I mean, you know, I was very, very, this is not what I was going to talk about, but I was so impressed about how tight how tight you know your show and you know yeah. that may, may sound quite based to most people but that doesn't happen very often in telly there weren't many retakes russell congratulations young man yeah well it's because i, I write the show myself and i write it with my pals yeah. um and so i kind of it's a bit like a live stand-up show with guests and sketches and kind of clips so the only thing that's kind of a wee bit sort of uh, wobbly is the, is the interviews in the, you don't really know what's going to happen but I wouldn't want to sort of preempt them I wouldn't want to set people up I'd rather just have it a ramble like we had Katie Piper and we had um, Ian Sterling I interviewed one of my heroes and I'm not allowed to talk about it he's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks but it's a uh, you know a comedian of some renown down the years Okay, who might that be? I, I'm straight away. I'm thinking Billy Connolly straight away. But yeah, yeah, it's the nation's grandfather. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, see ya. Excellent. I'll get in trouble. I'll get in trouble. You can't get in trouble. You're king of the world. You're I... Russell Howard, for heaven's sake. Listen. So you were in front of a live audience, but not a live, but a live audience as live yeah. for a live taping for the first time in ages. Because last and you, and you opened you you opened the show by talking about the fact that um, uh, for series four there were just a load of chairs and people who work on the mm. show were sort of moving the chairs if, to try, try and make you feel like the chairs were laughing at your gags. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Wow, you saw the warm-up. You guys wow, saw yeah. I saw everything. You saw everything, <laughs> yeah. warts and all. 
so yeah, basically we had we were lucky enough. We had four hundred people in the studio this week, yeah. and uh, some of them wearing masks, some of them not. It was great. They were all together. It was beautiful. And but last year we didn't have anyone in for the last four weeks. So yeah, they put the chairs out like that was going to cheer me up. <laughs> but it was it was like do you know what I mean? I just yeah. felt like a, a vicar with no with no um no, no crowd man. Yeah, it was yeah. awful no, no and. Crowd. Do vicars have crowns? I imagine it. Congregations, flocks. Now, I know it does great guns, great business on at 10 o'clock on Thursdays, and we've talked about this before, but I hit 9 o'clock on Fridays, I want the Russell Howard hour or two. The Russell Howard yeah. hour or two. What about, you know, what about if, if you, when you do have longer opening sequences about the news, and they may mm-hmm. not make it to the next week because they may not be um, general enough to, to do that, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you just yeah. put the whole of the recording out on YouTube as ex- extra extra bits and bobs? <laughs> well, I think they do. They, they put odds and, odds and ends out, yeah. I but just it, put the whole thing kind out. Of, yeah, yeah so, maybe we should, man. Yeah, well, this is it. I, 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 it the funny thing about the show, as soon as it's finished yeah. on the we record it on the Tuesday. Um, I'm kind of writing on the Wednesday. So in a sense, we're kind of, you forget it. But you're right, there's probably loads of kind of half-lit fireworks that we can definitely... No, they're not. Definitely... No, stop it, Russell. They weren't half-lit. They were they were fully on, mate. I mean, that was yeah. every, there was nothing at all. See, your standards are so high, which is why you're so good. But ours aren't, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's let, not true. Let me, let me tell you, it was all gold. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We don't need to get into a fight about it. I just love what you do. Uh, right, Russell Howard. The Russell Howard Hour is back on your telly via Sky Max. First episode last night. Play catch-up tonight on Friday, Saturday or a Sunday. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. From music to mindfulness, our next guest nails it pretty much every time. Her first book, Fitter, Calmer, Stronger, is out now. So here for a chitter, chatter, natter is the well-meaning musician that's turned her attention to the well-being. It's the well-nice Ellie Goulding. (laughs) All right, Els. Oh, my God, thank you so much for that lovely intro. He's very good, isn't he? He's too good for this show, as are you, actually. So we won't keep you. Um, Lovely book, by the way. Well done, Ellie. Fitter, calmer, stronger. Has it always been a factor in your life, this mindfulness to your own well-being and therefore usefulness to everybody else? Oh, my gosh, no, not at all. I talk about that. I talk about how I've got to this point now where I feel like maybe, you know, I've kind of got, I'm kind of getting it right, although having a baby kind of blew everything out. Yeah, everything went a bit um, weird when I had a baby. But, um, no, I talk about just how I've got to this place and that it's taken me quite a lot of trial and error and experiments and meeting people and doing different things to get here. So I just basically just talk about that. So the contr- it's all about controlling the controllables. You know, uh, a friend of mine, Ryan Holiday, he says, you know, if it's within my control, I give it 100%. If it's not out of my control, if it's out of my control, I give it 0%. And we often get caught in between the two. But of course, the one thing that we can work on you know, 24-7 is ourselves, you know, not only, you know, mm-hmm. our physical core uh, and our mental core, which you talk about in your book, um, you know, and it's so useful. And you've, especially in a business like yours, and you talk about this as well, you talk about the fact that, you know, the the roller coaster of show business, you know, I mean, yeah. it's something that we, we all chose to, to buy a ticket for. So, um, you know, nobody's whinging or moaning here, but it is very, very volatile. And you've, you found that you sort of had to get a hold of yourself because you, it was the only thing that you could really um, sort of uh, focus on and therefore you know when you couldn't do when you couldn't do almost anything about anything else what kind of 
how did that make you feel? How, how did it reassure you? Because you talk about anxiety, you know, the anxiety after a hangover, you know, yeah. and with that comes the fear, right? And you can have the, the, the less sleep you get, especially as a new mum, or the more drinks yeah. you've had the night before, or the more sort of, um, uh, what's the word, insecure or vulnerable you feel about your career. You know, that's all fear, isn't it? It's, it's a volcano of fear. Yeah. And so yeah. you, was it a bottom you reached or was it a realisation that you reached? See, this, is, this is why I thought, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and write this book because it's, the, the themes in it are universal. It's not just about people who decide for some reason to enter the entertainment industry. Um, but when I started out, as you did, I'm sure it's like you, you, you want to do it because that's what you always wanted to do. And I always wanted to be a songwriter and always wanted to sing music. And and I didn't really know. I genuinely didn't know the other things that came with it. I knew that might there might be a bit of like, you know, some photos and some... I don't know, things to go to and maybe dress up every now and then. But I didn't know this sort of extra, the slightly darker side to it, which was, yeah, you're suddenly in, you're suddenly in the spotlight. Suddenly everyone's got, you know, an opinion and, and, and talks about you and everything's under the spotlight. And so, yeah, so you end up kind of getting into this mad world of, of, um, of self-consciousness and low self-esteem and all those things. And not just that, but you have to go on stage every night and you have to kind of keep yourself together mentally and physically to deal with touring and deal with just how, how physically exhausting it can be, as many jobs can be. Which is why I, I made sure that I spoke to so many people when I wrote this book, because I didn't want it to be just about like a, a singer talking about how grueling tour is. It's, it's also, you know, I came from a very different background to, you know, to the world I'm in today. And so, yeah, I talk about that. I talk about that I was a really asthmatic kid. I couldn't do any exercise when I was young. I could barely sing because I was so asthmatic. Mm. So I talk about how I got myself out of that and how I changed my mindset so that even when things are thrown at us every day, which they are more than ever, it seems, at the moment after this mad pandemic, um, it's really just having the tools to be able to deal with that stuff rather than, thinking, oh, I can just get rid of things. You know, we're always going to have these things thrown, but it's just having like a toolkit to, to deal with them, I suppose. Yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, we often write our own stories. Most of us do anyhow. But when you... you you sort of encounter or, or wander almost into a position like you you or, or the the world which you eventually inhabited, other people take over the writing of your story and that's where it all begins to go wrong. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I, I mean, I never intended this book to be like a like a um, autobiography. Um, I always think maybe I'll write one of those one day, but maybe not quite, quite yet. God, I've got some stories. Um, but um, no, this was really just, um, like you said, it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a, it's telling my story, but it's also um, you can kind of stick through it, and you can you can read different chapters. You don't have to read the whole thing like a, like a novel. It's more just like a you know dipping and out kind of book. So just things that I've learned along the way, and things that I really think will be helpful to people who don't find things like I don't know twenty eight day diets and and um, and taking specific things out of your diet and only having only doing like. A run every day or whatever it's, it's just really about flexibility and, and also yeah a bit of my own story which I thought was important um, and probably things that people don't know about me so it's quite an interesting read uh, thanks so much Ellie uh, well done on the book and lovely to hear from you as a new mum everyone my little baby oh, thanks guys thank where, you for having where is he now by the way little Arthur Oh, Arthur. Oh, he's asleep. He's this asleep. is his little nap time. All right. OK, great. <laughs> OK, fit to calmer, stronger. It's Ellie Goulding, a mindful approach to exercise and nutrition. All right, out now. People are buying it as we speak. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We've heard from three tip-top guests already, but still to come. Stereophonics frontman Kelly Jones discussing the band's 12th studio album, Ooch Yar, and the accompanying 2022 UK tour, plus a massive Christmas party at the Cardiff Principality Stadium on December the 18th this year. The always brilliant Amanda Abington telling us about starring in the forensic new Sky original drama, Wolf. It's a comedy drama, so it's a dramedy. Political funny man Matt Ford gets us laughing at latex with the return of spitting image on Britbox and the wonderful Daisy Haggard chats her brilliant second series of Back to Life, which is available in full on BBC iPlayer now. So let's get right back to the action. Dapper Dave, who's next? He's got the voice of an angel that's gargled whiskey, musical talent coursing through his veins, and he may or may not be here with some news. From the Stereophonics, please welcome someone that may or may not have new music in a tour. It may or may not be Kelly Jones! Morning, Kelly! Morning, how are you? Very well, how are you on this beautiful day? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having us on. Oh, well, you're very welcome. So, sunshine in the sky and um, um, sunbeams of, of, of radiance now coming out of the radio for all Stereophonics fans because, Kelly, what's going down, my friend? Uh, well, we've got a new album coming out in um, March and we've got a new arena tour going to be happening in March and we've also got a massive um, sort of end-of-year celebration for all the Welsh people down in Cardiff to do the Millennium Stadium in... December the 18th as well so we've got a bunch of good stuff coming up okay I love your, the fact you're so understated about it all I'm going to do it again for you okay so Stereophonics <laughs> have a brand new album on the way not only that but they have a brand new stadium tour to announce and they have an end of year homecoming gig for 70,000 plus fans at the Principality Stadium there you go yeah that, that was better yeah, yeah so, so that's what we're talking about I mean yeah. th- that's not a bad agenda is it yeah, it's been a long time coming, actually. So we've been, it's been a you long know, a long time, time coming. coming. So it's a uh, it's a bit of a shock to the system, but I'm very much looking forward to to getting back out there and playing some shows and people hearing some new music. It's a very very uplifting album. You know, it's very kind of rock and roll record. So it's uh, it's perfect for these times, I think. Now I've heard a bit of it because I was sent a teaser and a taster um, over All the right. weekend um, with one of those special codes. You know that you have to <laughs> yeah. get your head around. Did you manage to get in it? Yeah, just about. Uh, which is uh, a minor miracle where I'm concerned. Mm. It says here that tickets for the tour go on sale on Friday the 10th of September at nine o'clock at Stereophonics.com. So that's yeah. this Friday. Is that the same for the um, com- homecoming gig? I believe so. Yeah, I think all the tick. I think they announced all the shows today and all the tickets start for sale on, on Friday, yeah. Okay. Uh, and there can, are there pre-sales? Can we book ahead or do you know about that or not? I don't know, actually. I'm not sure if that's what today's all about, but uh, <laughs> I know that people can get them on Friday. Nobody. T- I was on my way in the car this morning to do some other stuff and people were like, text me bits. It's like, maybe we should have put a call in last night to give me more information no, but it's on it. it's more fun like this. It's really more fun like this. Yeah. All so- I know is that I finished the record and I'm happy with the record and I'm excited for people to hear the new music and... 
there'll be lots of concerts for people to come and see it live. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the, that's the sort of uh, overarching framing, isn't it? Yeah. So the homecoming gig, um, sorry, what's the date again for that? Uh, we're going to be playing December the 18th oh. in the Millennium Stadium, and I phoned oh. up my good friend, Mr. Tom Jones, and he's oh. going to do it with us. And not only Tom, you have some other... And we also have Catfish and the Bottlemen. Ah! Yowza! Um, so it's a fantastic day oh, for the Welsh on. people who have been locked up, and anybody else who wants to come down, actually. It doesn't have to be just the Welsh people, you know, but uh, enter the Dragon, we will be there. On the 18th of December? I mean, that's yeah. c- what day is that, do you know? It's a Saturday night. Oh, come on! Yeah, it's the whole Saturday, so it'll be the last. I think I think people break up for work on the Friday for the Christmas break, and that'll be the first day, yeah. Oh, I'd love to come to that. So come down. Yeah, it'd be great. Oh, my goodness me. What a, what a great way to, to, to welcome in um, a Christmas that we... How, mu- how much do we all want and need this Christmas to be maybe the most special of our lifetime? Well, exactly. I mean, the, the main reason we wanted to do the show was, you know, we've all got family members, we've all got a story, or people who've lost people or whatever, and there hasn't been anything to really celebrate for quite a long time now. So we couldn't think of anything more. We haven't played the stadium since, I think, 2003 was the last time. Really? Um, and obviously, you know, I, I went to watch all the European football matches around Tom's house, so we, we would... We would watch all the games together, and I was watching him more than the football. Actually, shouting at the television, so that was quite a quite a fun afternoon. So I thought, what better for everybody to come to come and see these shows with seeing Tom? I don't think he's ever played the stadium apart from singing the national anthem on the on the centre spot, you know. So it'd be great for him too. Did you say you went round Tom's house to watch all the footy matches? Yeah. What's that yeah. like? Uh, it was amazing. Yeah, I went round with a six pack. Right. And um, we had some cans and we watched the match and his man, Ben, made us a tray of snacks and nibbles and I watched that with Tom. And then at the end of the night, he was showing me all the footage of him playing with Jerry Lee Lewis oh and Little Richard and Elvis me. and stuff. It was incredible. Of course it was. Oh. Yeah, it was, a good, it was a good day. And now, you know, we've all shouted at the telly, but what's it like when Tom Jones shouts at the telly? It's really funny watching Tom Jones <laughs> shouting at the telly because I was like, how am I here? This 80-year-old legend is sitting next to me and I'm watching him shouting at the telly. I felt like his little boy, really. It was amazing. And his last time went to number one, didn't it? He did. Yeah, he did brilliantly, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a really good record, yeah. It was his his life story with his, you know, in his own yeah. words. It was amazing. Yeah. What a what a fantastic album. So, so obviously you're going to top the bill because it's your gig, but that, yes. that could go either way on the night with Tom Jones, <laughs> couldn't it? Well, we'd probably have him on at the end, you know. Why wouldn't uh, you? To do Mama Told Me Not To Come. Because yeah. the last number one he had was the number one he had with us 20 years ago. Blimey, yeah, right. Um So... Yeah, no, it's going to be a good night. It's going to be fantastic. And I love Catfish and the Bottom Men as well. They're yeah, great no, band, they're so. amazing. They're an amazing band. You know, multi-award winning. Live as well. Yeah, they're fantastic. Fantas- and so different, you know, it's, you know, so sort of unpredictable. Um, yeah. What, what, what's great about a night like you've just described, it's, ha- it's not happened yet, but one can imagine, you know, it's a bit like the cricket today. It can't fail not to be brilliant. I mean, you know, you always need a bit of lady luck alongside you. Well, that's the amazing thing when you do gigs in Cardiff, because that's the only stadium, really, that, that actually is centred in the middle of the city, you know. Yeah. So the, the atmosphere in the city when there's a concert on or there's a game on is incredible down there. So, I mean, I, I really can't wait to do it. Um, like I said, we played Cardiff Football Stadium a few times in the last few years, but we haven't done the Millennium for a long time. So, Well, if you want to come on um, for a warm-up on the radio, you know where we are, Friday's Live Music. Absolutely. We would love to have you on, especially if you have some more um, Thursday dates to drop on us. We'd love to hear about that. Thank you very much. Thank Kelly, you, Chris. Uh, lots of love to you and yours yeah. and the band and everyone involved with the Stereophonics. 
Thank you, man. I appreciate that. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. If you want a sensitive topic that shouldn't be funny, made funny, then look no further than our next guest. Series two of her brilliant show, Back to Life, continues next Tuesday on BBC One. So back, because Back to Life is back. Back up the truck. She's back. It's Daisy Haggard. Morning, Daisy. Hi. How are you? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What's going on with the builders? What are they up to? Oh, we've just got a bit of a kitchen situation. It's all right. Is it a refit? Is it a wall's coming down? The wall's come tumbling down? No, no, we just had to rewire. It's all right, don't worry. But there'll be no banging for the next hour. Well, I don't mind if there is, to be honest. It's all part and parcel. You know, you're in real life. You're talking about back to life. So, um, Daisy, I made the the carnal error. No, cardinal. (laughs) Cardinal. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Cardinal error of going to episode one of season two yesterday because I didn't see season one and trying to play catch-up. Up, and I now realise from what my colleagues have said, I should have should have just bitten the bullet and got back gone back to you to, to binge on. I know, you. I know it's all there for us. Um, so for people who don't know, like I didn't until yesterday, just can you give us the elevator pitch of what Back to Life is, please? It, um, back to Life is about uh, a lovely woman, a woman in her mid thirties, returning home from what we realise is an eighteen year prison sentence, and she's returning to the small town where this terrible thing happened many years ago and moving back in with her parents and trying to rebuild and start a life in a town where everybody hates her and it shouldn't be funny but sometimes it is <laughs> and again you've gone for an extreme uh, departure or reason for departure from normal life so what came to you first the 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 curiosity of what would it be like to be away from civilization for 10 to 20 years you know a decade and a half or, or almost two or somebody being in prison and that happening anyway? It was a mixture of things. I was really sort of um, obsessed with how we vilify women who do something wrong. You know, how we, I think as a society, we perceive women when they've committed a crime compared to men. Um, and so that's always something that I've been like, oh, isn't that interesting how that's portrayed in the media when it's a woman uh, compared to a man? And so that's always something that's really interested me. And then just really bluntly, I was living, I had to move back home with my parents who were driving me completely crazy. Um, <laughs> and telling me how to load the dishwasher and it was at that moment that this idea was born um so it was a combination of all those things and also you know i, I love I love things that have a big heart about new beginnings and I, I just there was something about the messy combination that that just excited me and so i had to go at writing it <laughs> well it's hitting all the right buttons bafta nominated five star reviews from um such uh, luminaries as uh, guardian tv critics etc and around the world trudy in norwich says please tell daisy haggard that she's an absolute genius back to life is one of the best things i've ever seen on the telly ever again oh. i keep annoying everyone i know by telling them they need to watch it then chasing them up to make sure they have also I'm seriously considering buying a hair crimper (laughs) (laughs) we should really be playing toy after this I suppose Uh, lots of crimping going on because you know not only has she lost a decade and or two she's lost a whole sort of um, vibe she's lost a whole uh, a whole sort of nostalgic reference hasn't she yeah totally well she comes back into her sort of basically her teenage bedroom in, yep. in the first season. They're both available on iPlayer, so it's easily catch-upable for anyone who hasn't seen it. Yep. <laughs> but she returns back to her childhood bedroom, really, with posters of her old idols, most of who are dead. Um, and, uh, and you know, all her old things, like her, you know, cyber pet, her 
hair crimper, all those things. And she is trying to start life, but in her late 30s. So the second season opens with a full head of crimped hair. Right, so here we go. The Telegraph, five stars. An out-and-out out triumph. This is for the second season. The Guardian, second season. Daisy Haggard's <laughs> comedy is near-perfect TV, a pure and painful delight, which can move you from tears to the laughter within a single line. And I news full of chuckles, but not shying away from the darkness at its centre. And as in... All the best TV shows, I think, you know, featuring real life situations um, or fictionalized, you know, slash real life situations. Everyone is vulnerable. Yeah, I think that what we um, what we love about what, you know, about writing the show is, is, is allowing everyone to be really human. So even, you know, in this second season, we have Adrian Edmondson coming back as the father of the girl who died in the first season. And he's a real threat to Miri. And it's a real sort of thriller element to this um, this one, but um, but he's a human, you know. He's grieving. He's a person. He's a, you know he plays the part beautifully. And I think that that yeah, it's, it's allowing everyone to have vulnerability and be flawed because that's what kind of what makes people interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and if you're not vulnerable, you you you, you haven't been born yet. I mean, it's as simple no, as that. Exactly. It's and Miri is this sort of eternal optimism and very vulnerable optimism, optimist, and very vulnerable. So she's kind of like this, at the centre of it, we've got this person who did something absolutely awful, but she's so full of hope that you end up kind of backing her, you know. Right, you mentioned Aid Edmondson there. There's an interesting story as to how come he's in the second (laughs) season. Yeah, he he wrote me a, uh, a sort of tweet thing saying how much he loved the show and it was really well timed because me and Laura were writing the next season and then we started to he put himself in our heads and the next thing he knew he was being offered the part of the bad guy (laughs) yeah and he loved it he did he was great he was so much fun I was very starstruck and Mira Sayal as well in the season I was super super starstruck (laughs) it's funny though isn't it because to to us lot you know you're on the same level but I completely get the the, the sort of fangirl um, vibe oh yeah you just go all silly it is amazing amazing well congratulations to you well done and please feel free to come and grace our areas with your presence if you want to talk about anything else you're up to oh thank you so much lots of love to you all okay you're awesome Uh, the most important bit of this whole conversation is to tell you where you can see Back to Life Back to Life series 2 continues with episode 3 Tuesday 14th of September 10.35 BBC 1 but all 6 episodes on demand via the BBC iPlayer which is where everybody I know went to watch it and via SkyQ of course as well as the whole of series one Daisy Haggard smashing it smashing it on the telly the best of the Chris Evans breakfast show with Sky Virgin Radio she's an expert at picking quality shows to star in and once again she's hit the bullseye the brand new Sky original Wolf is available in full on Sky Max from today and quite frankly we can't keep the wolf from the door any longer so it's time to welcome the brilliant Amanda Abington alright mans alright Chris how's it going alright how you doing see here's what I heard what here's what I heard go on I heard that when they're thinking about commissioning a TV show now, a blockbuster TV show, what they do is they pretend they've commissioned it and then they ask you to be in it. And if you say yes, then they commission it because you're so good at picking hits. That's pretty much the gist. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know. How do you do it? I mean, I go for character-driven stuff. So anything that's like driven by people and, and people's relationships, that's what I find interesting. And I think people watching want to invest in characters. So whenever I read a script, if it's something that drives me and wants, makes me want to turn the page, then I'm assuming that 
that will translate onto screen or, or stage, you know. So. Just, just let's stick with that a moment or two. We'll explode what Wolf is in a moment. So, so stick with us, everybody. But I just want to know where you go for that in your house. Do you have a script chair? Do you have a regime? Do you have a ritual for a brand new script? Do you sit down and do... Because I know that Richard E. Grant, the first thing he does, because I've seen him do it, is he yeah. smells the script. Does he? The first, he gets a cup of tea, he sits in his favourite chair wow. and he starts to smell the script. Does then he, he really? flicks through the page and he smells it. And then he starts. Do you go? Do you have a go-to place for this very process? Hannibal Lecter, isn't it? That I like that. If you like, yeah. I I have a little Italian chair. <laughs> and it really is your script chair. <laughs> it is my script chair. I right. sit there and read it. So um, how many would you get a week, for example? Oh, I don't know. I I mean, I I get I get sent a few things. Not not that many. And I still audition. You know, I still like to audition because it's always important to kind of go in the room and 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 vie for a job as opposed to just get given it. Right. I think it's important to keep that competition going. Element going. But it, yeah, it's it, it's nice when like I'm, I've got a reader script now. Usually within like the first sort of twenty pages, you kind of know if it's a dud or not, or if it's good, you know. Yeah, they, they're crafty those screenwriters, aren't they? Because what mm. they do is they they make the first the first few pages fantastic mm. for enticing a a commissioning bid, mm -hmm. b getting the right actors, mm. and then they may those pages may change uh, unrecognisably come to the final draft all the time. There's I mean like you get different colours coming through they like do. you know all, all the time yeah. And sometimes the colours can pertain to who's written them, and that's how they figure out what they get paid. Exactly yeah. It's all it's all corrupt. I, <laughs> no, it's not. It's nice <laughs> no, corrupt. It's not. What are you talking about? I was joking. It's not. It's absolutely beautiful and. Above board. Yes, let's go with that, shall we? Um, <laughs> right, Wolf, I've seen it. Have uh, you? How do we explain it? Because I, I didn't know I was allowed to laugh. Yeah, I oh know you're totally allowed to laugh. Well, nobody told gonna, me this. I know. Let me just say that for everybody listening, you are allowed to laugh. Out it's loud. Yes, totally. Yeah, it's a very, very gallows humour. Right. Who's Wolf series. with an E? Skymax. This is on Skymax from today. All episodes available. A brand new thing. It's yes. Yeah, so it's about a, a guy called Wolf Kinte who runs a forensic laboratory, a, an, a a training forensic laboratory. So it's a working one and a training one. And he has a group of people that work underneath him. Me being one of them, and we are we we investigate cases and he's bipolar so he's spiraling and we have to kind of hold the safety net for him but all under the guise of a very very kind of very dark humor yeah well you say you're part of the gang you're you're the mother hen aren't yeah, you yeah yeah i'm his i'm his wingman kind so of thing. so what do you know about csi now Every, everything you need to know you can come to me anything you need to know about how to get rid of anything or test for anything i'm your man or woman or woman yeah I'm, I, I'm not at all, by the way. It was, yeah, I, it, it, it's, it's so complicated. <laughs> I was talking to the female um, head, not because there's a male and a female, but the he current head of CSI in the UK is, oh, is wow. a female. And I was talking to her last week because um, her daughter went to the same kids club, holiday kids club, as my son. <laughs> and we went to pick them up. And uh, she, so she says, oh, I know what you do. I says, well, what do you do? She said, I'm, I'm the head of um, CSI. Uh, I said, w where for? You know, thinking like yeah. Islington North. You went the UK. I went. Oh my god! All right, okay. Let's let's. <laughs> now it's time for a conversation. <laughs> yeah. So she, she, I don't know whether she would be you or not. Um, uh, yeah, no, I would be, be. Yeah, I'd be slightly lower down the down the. But food we talked chain. about TV shows straight away. She oh, said, okay. And she says, uh, I said, how many times you had this conversation? She said, about a thousand. She said, can really? I have it again? She said, yeah. I said, how accurate? She said, well, you know that we had a touch chat about this shit. But the thing is. Um, they're they're fans of the of various shows, not all of them, but various yeah. shows. Big fans of the shows, but they are a little concerned that too many things are being given away to the baddies via telly. Yeah. Um, what, what, what kind of things did you learn? <laughs> 
Um, we went to an actual laboratory and a forensic place and we were talking to actual kind of forensic officers and they told us in no uncertain terms how to get rid of bodies and and we and I remember me and Adam Long, who's, who's in the show, we both looked at each other and went, should they be telling us this? Because this is like quite, this is quite relevant information that yeah. if I want, say if I was... Um, homicidal maniac I could learn a lot from this and probably my, get away with it in my experience you're not no thankfully no not yet in, in my experience yeah yeah but I that's because, because I like you though so that's probably why <laughs> oh, thank heaven <laughs> <laughs> the kitchen in the opening scenes the amazing the house with the amazing kitchen mm. uh, you know what's that about it's not fair is it because you, you watch TV you do great shows you know whether it's yours this one you're on other shows you've been on at the moment or you've got your big little eyes and Nicole Kidman's and your Tranquillums yeah. they've always got amazing houses that, you, yeah. that everybody just wants well where do we buy that then I know oh, well, uh, well, how do, who sources these we have a locations manager right. who, who just goes around looking with the director and the producer and the, and the cameraman and before we start shooting they'll go and secure every single location that's needed in the show but because of Covid things kept falling you know kept slipping away yeah. so we were constantly kind of juggling different locations and having to change which is the, the dwelling you've worked you've you've um, you've worked in as an actress on a movie or a TV series that you've wanted to live in most there was a fantastic I did a thing called um, the crooked house which was an Agatha Christie film and there was a fantastic house up in the north of England and it was perfect it was just like this beautiful was it real yeah they didn't just build it for the show because no. that does happen sometimes doesn't yeah it? We, well we built out they built out we we built it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was there with my hammer and nails yeah. they, the, 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 i'd like to thank oh, no one just myself <laughs> just actually myself. i did all of it um <laughs> but they built the cs our csi laboratory from scratch See? in a barn and you we walked in and it was like something out of marvel we were like this is incredible it's pesky set designers and then they just like rip it all down at the end i know it's crazy you seen the film beaches Yes. That house on the beach there Ugh. doesn't exist. Doesn't it? No, they just built it for the films. Oh, they? no. Yeah, they did. Of course they did. You know. You've wow. been in this business for long enough. That's incredible. I see. I want that afterwards. Have, have you watched the whole of Wolf all six episodes? Yes. Ta I ha yeah, I had to because I have to talk about it and I have to know. I, no, I know, but sometimes no, no, you can watch bits and bobs. Yeah, no, no, I do. And Are I, you happy? With your choice of script. Yes, I really am. I think it's a really lovely, interesting, dark, funny show. And I think it's something that is, that's not been really seen on television for a while, also, if ever. Also, there's a code, there's a writer's code, because the creator of this is Paul Abbott. Yeah. You know, just the shameless and just the no offence uh, mm. amongst many of his uh, wonderful creations. But... There's a writer's code, and you, you, I don't know if you know about the right. There's a writer's code. Is there? So, yeah, there's a, yeah, well, it's only, there's a specific code. Right. Um, and if you think you've got a great movie on your hands or you've got a great TV show on your hands, what you do is you have to put a Volvo Estate in the opening the opening scene. And the second I saw the Volvo Estate, I thought, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. All the greatest movies in the it's world true, have a Volvo 240 DL estate in them now oh. the, the one in yours isn't but it's the the more modern but still quite old version of that i love a volvo and i thought hang on a minute wolf drives the volvo estate it's a hit it's, it's gonna be a hit it's that's what it series is beckons you know clearly. so will abington be in it yes okay commission it um, and put a <laughs> stick of volvo estate in the opening scenes and yeah. basically we're done we're dusted it's a win-win bring on the baftas baby <laughs>
<laughs> obviously. Okay. Obviously. All right, Amanda, anything else you want to say before you go? It's Just great to have you here. It's so nice to it's see you. It's great to have you here. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's once again going face to slightly grotesque face with some of the most recognisable fizzogs in the world. Series two of Spitting Image is available to stream on BritBox from Saturday and here to tell us if he trumps or not is the delightful Matt Ford. All right, Matt. <laughs> Hello. Oh, it's so good to see you. I'm so good to see you too. You and Vass have already had the football chat. Is that done and dusted now? I've been abused for being a Forest fan, yeah. <laughs> That's you what said, you mean. You said, hi, Matt, what's going down? <laughs> So it was. It was pretty much an open goal. Nottingham Forest. Yeah. A little bit ouchy. A little bit. Friend of the show. I know. Maybe not for much longer. If you beat him, <laughs> disabuse him like that when he walks in. You said Brendan uh, Vass is speaking from opposite ends of the championship. Um, <laughs> you know, you're not in the team, Vass. You don't score the goals. You're just like a, you know, <laughs> but, a fair weather fan. Where we've got our season tickets this season we're behind a pillar, so I can't even see who's scoring the goals. <laughs> It was a very snooty way to talk it to me. It was very thought, snooty. Know, yeah. I felt very judged Sorry, coming in Matt, here. I don't know what's going on. It was a microaggression. Yeah. I've been triggered. It's a macroaggression. <laughs> so what, what's going on with Nottingham Forest? What are the issues? If they're listening now, what do they need to do from a, a lifelong fan? Uh, score goals and win games. It really is as simple as that, no, Chris. But, but we, we haven't won a single game all season in the league. All right. So do, well, because Ronaldo's taken now. He's gone to United. Mm. Hasn't he? That's a shame. Yeah, and Messi doesn't want to come. I mean, you know, <laughs> these stars Why don't not? know their What ball. is wrong with these people? <laughs> Why do they want to live in Nottingham and play second division football at the wrong end of the table? Let's talk about Spinning Image. Um, yes. Spinning Image is back on BritBox for its second uh, season. All right, season one was uh, went gangbusters. Uh, Spinning Image is one-off US selection special, gained ITV's highest Saturday night ratings at that time in four years for 4.4 million views. Well done, mate. That's <sighs> not awesome. bad. Well, I can't take all the credit, but... As I'm the only member of staff here, I'm happy to take yeah, all the credit. Of course you can. Yeah. You, no, you can take all the credit. That was all down to me, yeah, man, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, existing puppets, Joe Biden, Boris Johnson, Cristiano Ronaldo! Yeah, Ronaldo's in there. Oh, we've, also got, we've also got a fat Ronaldo. Right. <laughs> I think we, we, we built him for one sketch last year, which was what if Ronaldo's life went to hell, and he ended up running a pub in Stoke. and yeah, Who does Ronaldo? I think Luke Kempner does him, or Lewis Capaldi. Not Lewis Capaldi! <laughs> Lewis, um... So mad at me. Um, but now, because we built a fat Ronaldo puppet for one sketch, everyone's like, we need to use the fat Ronaldo puppet yeah, more. Yeah. So well, you can now, because he's, he's back in the hood, isn't he? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So we've got fat Ronaldo. I'm doing Phil Foden, which is a real treat, because I'm a massive fan of Phil Foden. Yeah, as I a love Phil Foden as well. I wish you'd have got more game time in the Euros. Oh, I couldn't believe it. He was the player <laughs> I was most excited about. I kept telling my girlfriend, Phil Foden's the one to watch. Give us your Phil Foden, come on. You know, I just have to play, Chris. You know, it's, it's quite high-pitched like that, isn't it? You know, that's what's mad about so many of the footballers. You see them on the pitch and they're like lions, like, men, and you're like, God, yeah. yeah. And then you hear them afterwards that, like, I thought I played all right, you know, but, you know, if Gareth wants me to play, I, I play more often, thanks, Chris, but if I don't, I'm fine with it. You're like, they don't sound anything like the way they look, these fellas. So they're all so softly spoken. I know, but also footballers are so much more um, uh, petite than they used to be. They are physically amazing. Yeah, but they're so they're, they're not skinny because they they're really sort of muscular. But there's 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 no fat on them at they're all. They're like racehorses. They are. And you know what? You know they when you like see them, you know when you say, "Oh, how could people all attract to these footballers?" What's amazing they're about beautiful. this? They're, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. It's the best. It's, it's the best they will ever look. Yeah. It's for the body they have. That is the best it will ever look. Their skin is incredible. Yeah. They're physically fit. Their diets are amazing. 
But I also they look at their eyes, man. I've, I've often thought about this because <sighs> obviously, and a lot of them booze uh, a lot less, if at all, than yeah. used to be the case. You know, football was big for that, cricket was big for that, and often, you know, we talk in the about sports people in the eighties. You know, you 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 didn't necessarily have to be the best sort of cricketer in England to get an England team. You had to be the best cricketer who could play with a hangover. <laughs> And it's true. It's true. Because yeah. Darren Goff said, you know, for what was what's Darren's famous quote oh, about? Um, the uh, England cricket team aren't a cricket team with a drinking problem. They're a drinking team with a cricket problem. But, and that, wow. And that's sort of what it was like. You remember at Arsenal and, you know, this yeah. has been well documented in various biographies, very interesting biographies, but it's not the case anymore. And as people get healthier, they get more beautiful. You know, and if you think about Olympic athletes, especially track athletes, oh, they, if you, they have a great symmetry about their face because their body and their biochemistry is in, in such balance that they have they have a symmetry to their face which is very aesthetically pleasing yeah. to the eye. And They're not I think waking up on the settee covered in spaghetti yeah. oops and crumbs and also if you wake up on the tea half your face is mulched anyway for the rest of the day and these are, it's about balance isn't it it's a great advert for health yeah so uh, which in turn obviously Sorry. is a great advert for splitting image series 2 which yeah. drops on Britbox this Saturday yeah um, it was a great moment wasn't it when Ronaldo was at the Euros and he moved the 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 one of the headline sponsors oh, yeah. um, drink bottles Agua. out of shot <laughs> And Agua came in. And was it the next day you could buy uh, Ronaldo Agua or yeah, something? Yeah. I mean, he yeah. wasn't anything to do with it, was he? I know he just he just didn't want to be pictured in this. Was it did he do did he do Coke and then somebody else did beer? And then the sponsors all went, hang on a minute. <laughs> See in the old days you'd, you'd have Evian sponsoring something and somebody moving the Evian out of the way and getting a Bottle yeah. of Car- Carlsberg. Say, no, That's no. right, it's gone the other way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, some more puppets. Uh, Joe Biden, Boris Johnson, Cristiano Ronaldo, Prince Andrew, Harry Kane, Vladimir Putin, Harry, Harry and Meghan. Uh, Meghan <laughs> sorry. Harry ha- and Meghan. Harry and Meghan. <laughs> Harry and Meghan, Beyonce, Angela Merkel, Dwayne Johnson, Gareth Southgate, Ed Sheeran, Jürgen Klopp. Who does Jürgen? Uh, Luke Kempner does him very well. Okay, do you do, do you do any voices on the new season? Yeah, or I do. Or are you just I here do, to PR them now? I do Boris Johnson, Phil Foden, Alex Salmond... Keir Starmer, Donald Trump. Mm. I had to do Chris Whitty this week, and I'd never done one before. I think whoever was doing it must have had a cold or something. Right. So they said, oh, can you do Chris Whitty tomorrow? So they had to watch loads of videos of Chris Whitty. It's one of those things where he's been on telly for like a year. I wouldn't have a clue what he actually sounded like. That's so true, actually, so isn't it? So knock one up. So That's hopefully, so you know, no one's going to go, that sounds nothing like Chris Whitty. Right, once again, Spinning Image, available to stream from Saturday. Uh, brand new season, season two of the brand new Spinning Image, exclusively on BritBox. That was Matt for Big cheer for Matt. Thank you very much indeed. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.